Hey everyone, welcome back for another episode of the Joy and Infertility Podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee Porter, and my hope is that you will join me on this road of finding joy even in infertility. Happy New Year, friends. I am so glad to be back. I have missed you guys, and I so appreciate everybody still continuing to share their stories with me over the break and engage online. That just really means a lot to me that you guys are still being encouraged, even when we're not going live with a new episode. So thank you guys for continuing to share your stories with me. I just love reading them and love praying for you guys. Can you believe that we are starting a brand new decade? I was thinking back to where I was in my life in January 2010, and it hit me. That was the month, the year that Jay and I decided we were ready to start a family. We were so excited and just knew that any week now we were going to be sharing our amazing news with our family and friends. We had no idea what that conversation would really mean. We had no idea that it would really mean in total seven years of trying to conceive, moving three different states away from all of our support systems each time, two IUI rounds, two surgeries, a very early miscarriage, countless medications, countless hours in testing, doctor's appointments, and thousands of dollars, for sure, thousands of dollars. But we ended this past decade with the birth of our second incredible miracle. And I know so many of you are not looking back with the fondness on your last decade that I am. And for that, my heart breaks right alongside of yours. But I say all that to say that you have no idea what this next decade is going to hold for you. No idea. I am not the same person that I was sitting at that conference in January 2010. Our marriage is for sure not the same. Our marriage is richer. Our relationship with God is deeper. I'm a little more confident in who I am as a woman and as a daughter in Christ. So as you continue to wait, don't discount the work that's being done in your life. Take note of where you are right now, and let's see where God takes you the next 10 years. Let's see what He does in our lives and in our hearts. Speaking of not knowing our future, today I get to chat with Caitlin Kuski from Fort Myers, Florida. We actually had a conversation back in the fall of 2018, but the audio glitched on us and we were not able to post it. So today she's back for a redo and with a pretty big change since her last conversation. Caitlin has experienced a lot in her infertility journey, IVF, lost embryos, miscarriage, delays, and now she's pregnant with y'all, not one, but two baby boys. But just because the pregnancy is here does not mean the battle is over. Yeah, it's okay to feel, it's okay to be honest. And I think I was, I had to be honest with myself that the fear is real. It's not, it's not from God and it's not true, but it is real and you can feel it, but you have to somehow point yourself back to, to truth. And this episode has got some truth today. So let's listen up to see what God wants to say through Caitlin. Here we go. Well, Caitlin, welcome to the podcast again. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so, I'm so happy to try this again and uh, yes. hope everything goes as planned. I think it's almost a year later since our original interview. I think it was in January last year. Yeah, uh, maybe even before that. It's crazy. It's Yep. Audio did not work. So we are doing it again. And your story has gotten even crazier. So yes. we're going to get into that. So tell us a little bit about who you are, your husband and what you guys do. Yes. So my husband and I are originally uh, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, we both grew up there. We met in college um, and we decided in a winter storm in 2014 that we were done with the cold. <laughs> so we then moved to Fort Myers, Florida. 
Big difference. And yes, we've been here since 2014. Um, we got married on the beach um, in 2016. Our anniversary is actually next week, the January 9th. So that will be four years that we have been married. Um, we have two little dogs, actually one big dog. Her name's Kira. She's a pit bull and a Yorkie. And they get along? Little, um, the Yorkie is <laughs> actually really mean. Oh my goodness. And the pit bull is a big baby. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, I work as an internal auditor for, I don't know if you've heard of Chico's clothing, Chico Soma White House. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Their headquarters is down here. So I work as an internal auditor. And my husband works for Enterprise Rental Bar. He actually okay. works in the vehicle repair division. He's a supervisor down here. So awesome. we're both very happy being down in Fort Myers and especially the warmth and the palm trees. It is really pretty down there. I went on vacation a couple of times there. Yeah, so we never we never want to leave here. <laughs> my family started oh, yeah, to I move could... down here, so it's it's great. Really? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah, my sister well, they have moved a, down. They have a couple of reasons to move down there, right? Yes, yes. You are expecting. I am. Yes, it's it's been a journey, <laughs> but it's it's amazing. I it still doesn't feel real by any yeah. means. Um, every 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 yeah, day that goes by, I'm it doesn't really like, ever get real. <laughs> well, that doesn't make me feel any better because I want it to get real. <laughs> I mean, maybe after after your like fatigue exhaustion sets in after newborn days, but I'm telling you, it takes a few, it takes a little bit to like, wait, no one's coming to take this baby and like take them to their home or it's, it's, it's just surreal when it happens and you're having twins, right? I am. Yes. Wow. That's and we found incredible. out they're twin boys. So two, Aww, two boys. Two <laughs> so, Okay. We'll get to your infertility story in a second. Yes. But how, like, what happened when you found out? What was that moment like? Did uh, they tell so you? Did you find out at home? So I did. Um, I've done a couple, which we can get into, a couple of frozen transfers. And I did. I waited until beta for all of them, the blood Good test. Job. But Good this job. time I did not. This time oh, I did no. not. <laughs> you know, I felt um, I felt a different kind of peace about this one. It was it was different. And I said, you know, I I felt different. I know some of the symptoms I was feeling could have definitely been the hormones, but I felt in my heart that it worked. So I wanted to surprise, and I know um, going through IVF, the element of surprise is kind of taken out of it, when, especially with your husband, because he obviously knows. Um, and I wanted to surprise him. He, ha he knew in his heart, too, that he thought it worked, um, but I wanted to surprise him. So I did take a test um, actually five days post-transfer which was actually really early. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, and it was positive. And I, I still, I still don't believe it. <laughs> I'm now a little over 17 weeks and I don't believe it. Oh man. I just, That's I just remember crying. I remember standing there. I remember squinting at the pregnancy test. I remember taking, I think I took 15 more before my actual blood test. More yes. tests? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Were you able to buy groceries that month? <laughs> Well, I, 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 on Amazon, any, any tips, go on Amazon and get the, the bulk little, little sticks. And you can, I think I got Are they the ones like you, you pee in a cup and you stick it yes. in there? Yes. <gasps> okay. So I bought a bulk set from like a Facebook buy group two years ago. They expire this month. And so I have a friend and I was telling her about it. I'm like, I wish they would do another buy. So you go on Amazon. That's yes. helpful. And, and I think, I honestly think it was 
no more than $15. Yeah. They're so cheap. I think I paid, I think I paid like eight or $9 and it was, I mean, more than I could ever need and they're expired now. So that's awesome. I will find that link and I will somehow post that somewhere, maybe on the website. Yes. But I know we were still really, um, obviously guarded before the blood test and there's just so many obstacles that we had to overcome. So it, I know it didn't yeah. feel real in the beginning and it, again, it still doesn't feel real. <laughs> well, back up and start from the beginning and tell everyone how you guys got to this point today. Yes. So uh, I was a competitive figure skater for oh, almost 17 years and I never really got a period and nobody was ever really concerned about it. They said, you know, you're very active they were always saying like gymnasts and, and skaters and, and, and people that are very active. It's okay if you don't get a period. So I never thought twice about it. I went on birth control um, probably around 17, 18 to try to kind of control a period, if, if anything. Um, once we got married, I said, you know, I got to kind of figure out what's going on with my body. If it's able to ovulate on its own, if it's able to do um, what it's supposed to do. So I had gone to just my OB and kind of told her my concerns. We weren't really ready to try, but I wanted to figure out um, what was going on with my periods and, and why, if it was just a an, act, an active activity kind of induced. I don't. I think it's called amenorrhea is what they oh, told me. Okay. Where I was just so active and I had such low body fat that I just wasn't ovulating. I wasn't getting a period. So my OB ran some tests um, and said, you know, I think you need to put on some weight, um, you need to, which is the opposite of what I thought she was going to say. She said, just tone down your working out, put on some weight and get off your birth control and come back in about a year. And I said, you know what, I feel like something else is wrong because I had come off birth control before and it was, I think the longest I went was about nine months without a period. Mm-hmm. So... I kind of referred myself to a reproductive endocrinologist um, in the area that I had a friend that told me about him and I had gone to see him, told him my concerns and he took me on as a a patient, ran some tests and immediately diagnosed me with PCOS by ultrasound. So I have a, a different kind of PCOS where none of my blood work shows PCOS, but I don't ovulate on my own. And I have polycystic ovaries. Hmm. So that was our first kind of, okay, that kind of makes sense on why I wasn't getting a period. And he was like, that's definitely why you're, you're irregular. So that was, that was fine. He said, we can, there's many options moving forward when you want to start trying to have kids. So we went through a couple other, we did the carrier genetic testing just for peace of mind to see if um, my husband and I were carriers for any genetic diseases. I ended up being a carrier for cystic fibrosis, um, but he was not a carrier. So they weren't concerned about that. Hmm. And then the last, um, the last test obviously was to test my husband. And that's where kind of our world came crashing down per se. Um, They diagnosed him with, they called it partial gonadal failure Mm -hmm. um, where he has a genetic condition. They don't exactly know what the condition is, but he just doesn't, his brain, his brain does not communicate with his testicles to produce the sperm. Hmm. So he's producing, they did probably 
three or four samples and he would have, sometimes he would have a hundred, sometimes he would have a thousand. It just varied. Hmm. So we finally sat down with our doctor in November of 17 and he said, you know, I, I wish I had better news, but IVF, um, sperm donor or adoption are, are your only shots to have a, a child. Hmm. Um, he said, there's just nothing. I can't fix him because it's genetic. So we couldn't do, he couldn't have surgery. We couldn't go on, you know, some men go on Clomid. There was just nothing. He said it was, it would actually make it worse if, to put him on com- some kind of hormones because his Did testosterone his dad have low. issues? No, not that. I mean, he, his dad had two kids. Um, he has another brother. And as far as his dad knew, he didn't have any issues. Huh, that's interesting. So he really couldn't. Still to this day, we can't pinpoint what happened. And from our doctor had said, you know, it had to happen in utero, they think. So when he was developing in his mom's womb, that's when it happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And he did say, you know, we're not sure if it would. It obviously we don't think it was passed down necessarily. They're calling it genetic, but I don't I don't think it was passed down from his dad. They think it's happened in the womb. So there was just nothing they could do to fix it. Okay. Which was definitely devastating and we didn't want to believe it. But um, our doctor was, he gave us less than a 0% chance to ever conceive naturally. But he said, you know, you're young. At the time, I think we were 26. And he said, if you want to try IVF, I'm I'm willing to give it a try. Um, So... We did our first IVF cycle in January of 2018 was our first go around at IVF. And we had really good success. We ended up with six frozen embryos. Um, so because of PCOS, we had to, we didn't do a fresh transfer. We um, proceeded to do a frozen transfer, our first one in April of 2018. Um, and that transfer was unsuccessful. Um, just a failed transfer, didn't implant. So we were definitely devastated, but we knew we had more embryos left. And I still, to this day, I had a lot of fight left and I still have a lot of fight left. So we were going to try again. So we did another uh, frozen transfer in June and that one was actually successful and we got pregnant. Um, My betas came in pretty low, uh, which was a red flag, but they were increasing like they should. They were just a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. So we were still hopeful. Um, we went in at our seven-week ultrasound, and there was no heartbeat. Mm. So that was in um, July slash August of 2018. Um, so we did opt to do a DNC and um, test the embryos because we did not do genetic testing on our embryos in the first place. So we wanted to figure out what caused the miscarriage. Mm -hmm. So we did, I did a DNC in August. And after that, we just really needed time to heal. Um, Both of us were pretty devastated. Um, We wanted to pray about what our next steps were. So we took a, we took a break from August until January. And I, my goal um, was to run the Disney half marathon before we transferred another embryo. It was just a bucket list item of mine. I didn't want to put anything else off. So I ran that marathon last January, and then we ended up transferring 
two embryos and I think it was February was our, and those were our last embryos. We ended up losing two um, during the thaw of our first transfer and then the last transfer we lost. So those were our last two embryos from our first IVF cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that um, transfer was also unsuccessful. Mm. So again, they didn't, they didn't implant. So we were left um, in, in February with, with nothing. We didn't have any more embryos left. Um, didn't really know what to do. We had regrouped with our doctor and he said, we can go ahead and do another round and go ahead and genetically test these embryos to see if there's a problem. Cause he didn't think it was anything with my body, my lining, my hormone levels were all in order. He just thought maybe the, we just could not produce a normal embryo. And that why, was why we couldn't get one to implant. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did move forward with another IVF cycle in March. Um, that one was not a great cycle. Um, my husband's sperm was, uh, his sample was pretty, pretty terrible in, in their words, actually. Um, so I got a lot of eggs, but we ended up with three frozen embryos. So we felt um, very hopeful for three and very thankful for that. Um, so we went forward and prepped for another frozen transfer um, after that March, after the March cycle. And so we went in for transfer on in May and we found out that none of the three survived. So um, that, that hit us pretty hard just because we had so much hope going in. We had three and to find out that none of them had survived was, was tough. Um, so we decided to give it one more round, number three, um, we talked to our doctor and he said, you know, I think not that it was a, it was a fluke, but they had a new embryologist in there and they just weren't really familiar with my husband's condition. So we actually had the new, a new embryologist sit in with us at that consultation and said, you know, I'm going to be here. I know your husband's condition. I know what we have to do. And they had talked about going ahead and just trying to get all the good sperm before my egg retrieval to make sure we could fertilize as many eggs as we could at that. And I felt very confident with her. She felt very confident with us. So um, we were like going to give us, this was our last round. We were going to give it one more shot and then we were going to pursue other options. So we did our third round in July And we ended up with four frozen embryos. Um, And she said they were, they looked perfect. They looked great. Um, So we had decided then that we were going to go ahead and transfer to, so uh, most doctors are so against transferring more than one embryo, but we were, we have this, this would have been our fifth transfer. We were ready to just transfer to and and just pray one of them implanted. Mm -hmm. So we prepped for our fifth transfer in September. Um, we transferred two AA little embryos and they both, they both were fighters and they both stuck around and um, October 2nd was our first blood test. And we found out that it was, my beta was pretty high. I didn't want to get my hopes up that both had stuck around, but um, they did. Um, and we, I went to the Moms in the Making conference. I had to do my third blood test at the conference and which, which was a blessing and a curse, but 
and ended up being great and just to be surrounded by those yes. women and, and prayed over. And then I actually received a, a prophetic card at the conference and it said, um, the Lord will multiply um, your blessings. And a week later I came home and we found out that there was two heartbeats. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh man. So what was that? I feel like what the doctors say when they found out there were two, cause they, they're like, so against it. And then it happens. Yeah. Were they like, well, so he, actually, I told you. he actually did, believe it or not, apologize to us. He did. Which we were like, uh, yes, please don't apologize. You just, you know, saved I, us so much money. We just knocked out two. Yes. Yes. And I know. And I think, and and I I am still worried about my body and um, just going through a twin pregnancy. Right. It, it's scary, you know, all the risks. So I think that's maybe what he was worried about more than anything. And he did. And we went in for our first ultrasound. It was six weeks and five days. And he said, "I'm going to be honest with you two. About thirty um, percent don't go on to have twins." Oh. So I mean, he was. Mm-hmm. He gave us some scary t- statistics and he said, you know, there's a chance that one might not make it and there's a chance that two might not make it. Mm-hmm. So we were, we were very scared and to this day. I'm still scared. Um, I still have a lot of fear, uh, going through the loss and the, just all the failures is, is tough. And, um, but we're trusting that God didn't bring us this far to leave us here. And we're just moving forward. Yeah. So is there, is it kind of like a regular pregnancy where every, every, there's like milestones where the percentage significantly drops or is it just kind of high risk all the way to the end? Honestly, they didn't really, I was expecting to be high risk. And so they are fraternal. They do have separate placentas, separate amniotic sacs. They're called die, die twins, which is best case scenario for a twin pregnancy. So, and I'm still, um, they say advanced maternal age for twins is 33. So I'm still under that age. So they're not worried about that. Um, we do have our anatomy scan coming up uh, next week. So I think that once they may be, depending on what they find at the anatomy scan, they may refer me to the high risk doctor, but as of now it's been treated like a normal pregnancy. Okay. So we didn't really um, hit on that yet. So let's talk about kind of that fear that you're kind of having to deal with every day. What is that like yes. for you and how are you working through that? Because I think that no matter if, I mean, your yours is heightened for sure because you've had failure, mm-hmm. failure, failure, and now high, high risk. But I feel like even whenever you walk through infertility and you get pregnant, there's just still that like, hang on, we're not there yet can't celebrate yet. Can't, can't be excited yet. So how are you, how are you working through that? In the beginning, it was, it was very tough. Every, um, the anxiety and the fear leading up to each ultrasound and each appointment, it was almost paralyzing. Um, it was, I couldn't even think about someone would ask me my due date and I couldn't tell them because I just, I couldn't think that far ahead. You know, I just needed to make it through. And I felt like I was living, from appointment to appointment. Mm -hmm. And then I started to say, you know, I don't, the enemy has taken a lot from us through this journey. And this is nothing short of a miracle. And I just want to enjoy every moment. So it's an everyday struggle. Even, 
even when I got to, I think obviously my goal was the first trimester. Um, and now my goal has been the anatomy scan. So every week we make it through, I get, I can take a little bit of a breath, but I think sometimes I'm waiting for the the carpet to be ripped underneath of me. Mm -hmm. And I just, I still, it doesn't feel real. And I think I have sometimes found my identity and infertility and I haven't allowed myself to enjoy the, the, pre the pregnancy. I haven't allowed myself to enjoy um, the way my body has been changing. So in the beginning it was, it was hard, but I feel like every day and every week I've just been praying through it and just asking for God just to give me peace mm -hmm. and just surrender it. Cause I think at the end he's the God of the outcome. So I need to surrender this, yeah. that there's nothing I'm taking care of myself. I'm taking care of my body I'm doing what the doctors are telling me that there's nothing that I can do right. to change what's going to happen. Yeah. He's the creator and the sustainer of life. Yes. Yep. So it is, but it is an everyday. Some days I'm like, okay, let's think about the nursery. Let's think about this. And other days I'm like, okay, I just need to make it to the next appointment. Mm -hmm. So it, it is an everyday battle. Yeah. Well, you mentioned it. And I think that's, that's so crazy that you feel that way too. Like, you said I, that infertility has was kind of your identity and you it's yes. it's affected how you have been able to enjoy the pregnancy and that was i i asked you that question in our in my email you're pregnant which is amazing it's everything you wanted yes. and more literally yes. <laughs> you have double what you asked for yes <laughs> but do you feel like you've lost a little bit of who you are or that you don't have a um, voice with with the people that you love does that make sense Yes. No, I definitely um, think that I have found my identity in infertility and I have stamped infertile on my forehead sometimes. And even being pregnant, I don't think I can, I almost don't feel like I can relate to like a normal a pregnant woman. I just don't. And I'm in this weird where I'm still leading the moms in the making group and they've been amazing. My girls have been amazing. But I'm in this weird stage where I'm trying to be with them and wh where they're going, but I still want to enjoy this pregnancy. So it's just kind of a conglomerate of different things, and I don't really know how to feel. Yeah. Yeah. The, that makes any sense. <laughs> the re and that's the reason I ask. And if, you know, for those of you listening that are not pregnant, you're probably eye rolling through this whole conversation. You're like, really? Y'all yes. are pregnant. You know, you have. So kids. I'm really sorry. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> I just, the reason I ask it is because there's a lot of you listening that are going to be sitting in Caitlin's shoes one day or where I've been and you're going to be pregnant and you're going to have these conflicting emotions of like, why, mm -hmm. why am I not completely thrilled? Why do I feel like I still need to feel this sadness because that's who I used right. to be? Um, and if, especially when it's become, has become such a life passion for you to walk alongside women that are dealing with this it kind of feels a little bit like you've, you've, you don't want to forget them. And, but you also don't know how to like, do they even want me around anymore? Because I'm a reminder of what they don't yeah, have. Exactly. Um, and it was, it was definitely an identity, sh um, kind of crisis for me really both times, but especially the first time, um, because it was still so new, those emotions were still so new and I didn't know how to process those. And, um, but I just think it kind of goes back to what we always say. You can feel both grief and joy at the same time. 
And yes, I think you can still walk with those grieving and celebrate your, your miracle as well. But it, you're, but there are going to be times where you're like schizophrenic. You're like, what, what, I don't know what I feel, what to yes. feel right now. Um, and then when people ask you, are you so excited? And you're like, ah, that's such a loaded question. <laughs> yes. I don't know how to answer that. And yeah. I wish somebody, I wish somebody would have not warned me, but, and that's kind of what I want to do. I still want to share the, the rawness of it, that you can still feel blessed and excited and, and sad at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's okay. I wish somebody would have said, it's okay to feel all of that because this is all new. Like you don't, you've been through so much loss and, and, and devastation that it's okay to feel all of it. Yeah. And it, and it, yeah. And that's what happens. So, yes. <laughs> so to you and to everyone listening, it's okay to feel all of it. <laughs> yeah. And, it's okay to feel, it's okay to be honest. And I think that was, I had to be honest with myself that the fear is real. It's not, it's not from God and it's not true, but it is real and you can feel it, but you have to somehow point yourself back to, to truth. Yeah. And I always have to live in the what if of tomorrow. So if, if this, if the worst does happen, how do I, how will I manage that? How will I, right. right. What will I do with you, Lord? And, um, and I just have to have those, those conversations. I read some, a friend of mine today, um, posted, she, her, her baby was born. I can't remember how premature, but it was very premature. And the morning that she went into labor, she walked, she walked in the hospital bathroom and she looked in the mirror and she said, I had to say it out loud to believe it. But I said, if you, if you take him, I will still love you because it was a high, high risk delivery. And, um, that's how I feel like that's how I have to process just, just, that's just my personality. And that's, if I lose him tomorrow, if I don't make it to that appointment, if that anatomy scan is not what we want, I yes. pro- I will still love you. It's going to be hard, but I'm still yes. going to love you. And I trust you. Right. And that's, I mean, but the fear is real. It's real. It's real. Yes. Well, you said something a while back. Um, you said, I'm going to quote you here because it was so good how you wrote it. I had no idea what kind of woman I'd become, what our marriage would grow into and what community I'd be a part of with so many amazing women. And here we go. Fighting the same battle, refusing to throw in the towel. You wrote that before you got pregnant. Um, Yes. And so I'm sure it's taken on even a whole new meaning now. So tell us more about what you've seen over the last two and a half years. I think, I think I wrote that probably over a year and a half ago before we'd had even gotten to the to the heart of our journey. And I still believe that more than ever, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm not the same woman I was two and a half years ago. My, my faith is not what it was. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm stronger each, each loss and each failure. I don't want to say it got easier, but you got stronger and God gave me the strength that I never knew I, I had. And still to this day, I still look back and go, I don't know how I got through all that. Mm-hmm. And I know I got through that because of God, but I'm, I'm just not, I wasn't the same woman. And I feel like I'm more compassionate now than I ever thought I would. Just, you don't know what people are dealing with, not just infertility, but you don't know what kind of battles people are fighting and going through something like infertility. You look, I feel like I look at the world differently, mm-hmm. that there's so many people out there that just need, sometimes they just need a hug. And I don't think I ever realized that before going through all of this. Yeah. And my marriage has, 
he is the, I never knew I could have married such a wonderful man just through everything. He's been my rock through his pregnancy. He's been my rock. He's, he's just, he's so amazing. And, um, not that I ever took him for granted in the beginning, but you just, I fall in love with him more every day, just going through, he's never left my side. That man has come to every appointment with me. You know, it's, I, I, I'm so thankful for him. And then the community, you know, I, I felt so alone in the beginning. I was, I was young. I said, I don't know why this is happening to me. You know, this is, I'm the only one that's dealing with this. And I, I came to moms in the making and just even being on Instagram, you hashtag IVF or hashtag infertility and, and thousands oh, yeah, of women, so come many. thousands. And these women are not just, these women are, are strong. They are, they're, their strength, their perseverance is, is uncanny and it, it's an inspiration to me. I mean, I'll, I'll scroll through Instagram now and I'm just blown away by women's testimonies and just what they've been through. And it, it warms my heart and just, I mean, it's, it shows all of God's glory mm-hmm. through that. And I just, that would have never, that would have never happened had we not walked this journey. And I, I'm just, I don't want to say I'm thankful for infertility, but I'm just, I'm thankful for our story and the journey that God has taken us on because I've just learned so much about myself, my husband, my friends, my family, this community. And I'm just, I'm just grateful for it. Yeah. I think it's a good place to be. Yeah. And so your journey has not been what you expected from the beginning, you know, for, from finding out what you've been told for years that actually there is an issue. It's not just that you're active. You've frozen transfer right. after frozen transfer, failed, 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 miscarriage, and now even twins who would expect that. But how has this journey changed? You mentioned it, how, how you view God. Yeah, I, I'd always been um, a Christian. I'd always believed in God, but it it wasn't it wasn't the the strength I need the the faith I needed and I think God knew that He knew that I w- He wasn't done with me yet and He is the He can do the impossible and I know I believed in the diagnosis that we were given and I, God's bigger than a diagnosis you know He can He can He's a miracle worker. You see, you see miracles every well, day. They're, it, they're both Can true. I, the diagnosis is true, but so is God's power. It's yeah. all true. So, and I, and I, and I think, um, I think God used me as a tool to, to, to help women to, and not only that, to, to share his glory, to share what he can do in someone's life. Like no matter what they're going through, that, that he's bigger than all of it. Mm-hmm. And just to surrender, I, I could have never imagined being able to surrender, to lay it at his feet and go, okay, God, I, I can't do this on my own because we were, we were never meant to do this on our own anyways. You know, he, we were never, never meant to carry these burdens that we're carrying. And he, just to look, just to think back over the two and a half years and just the, the details he was in every single detail. And still I, I know he's in so many more details to come and I'm just excited to see what he's going to do in, in my life and the women I know lives. I just, I know there's just so much left and I can't wait to have a front row seat to it yeah. all. 
Well, you mentioned that you, the moms in the making, and I I don't want to end our conversation before we talk about that because you're really uh, passionate about that, your support group and that ministry. And actually I'm talking to Angela Lee right after this, who's also a leader. She told me, she said, please pray for me. (laughs) I was looking through Instagram and I was like, Oh, look, they know each other. Oh yes. I, I love her. She's, she's the sweetest. So you guys are both super passionate. You're both leaders. So tell us a little bit more about what Moms in the Making has done for you guys. I mean, it has done, I, I owe so much to Moms in the Making. I actually, when Carol, she was your yep, first, my first um, interview po- podcast. Mm-hmm. So I listened to her podcast. I read her in due time and I was like, this woman is a powerhouse. I need to get involved. So I remember just kind of watching from the background a little bit. And then I said, you know, there's no support groups. There's nothing here for these women that I think I need to, I don't know. I felt called. So I I interviewed with Caroline and it has been, and I actually started the group um, a couple weeks after I found out about the miscarriage Mm. and the timing of it. I just, I can't, that was, that was all God. Um, And it's been so healing to see these women and, and women have stopped coming. Women have gotten pregnant. Women have so they, they come and they go, but just to hear their stories and just to know that you have the littlest impact on their lives. And some, some of the women that come in and sit at my house, I, I'm blown away by them. I'm blown away by their faith. I'm blown away by their strength. And I'm just very passionate to keep, to keep growing. Yeah. I said, I don't want to stop until everybody in our group is pregnant and we get to turn it into a mom's maid group. Oh, yeah. And, and even all even other leaders too. I mean, all over all over the world now. We I think we have forty forty one groups now. It's amazing. Well, I get so many emails asking like, how do I find a support group? And I'm actually going to add a resource page to the website that says like just the links of how to find an Indu Time group or how to find a Sarah's Laughter group. And yes, um, so I just. I would encourage you guys to definitely find a group because a lot of you that contact me say you don't have any support or anyone that's walking through this. And that is your answer. That group is your answer. Mm -hmm. They will become your family. Yeah. We, we laugh, we cry, we talk about sperm. Like it's, it's just. (laughs) Nothing's off limits with an infertility. Yeah. We talk, we talk about, and and most of all, we just try to point, point us all back to God's truth and just speak life instead of speaking death. Well, it's 2020 and you are the first episode of the year. Yes. <laughs> and I have, I, we've been friends on social media for a little over a year since our first interview. And I know you're a big fan of choosing one word. What was your yes. word last year? Hope. Huh. That's funny. Yes. It was hope. <laughs> so it was hope. You got your, your word. You were like, Oh, this is going to work. This first transfer, this first pregnancy. And then it didn't. Did you feel like mm-hmm. your word, like you were wrong about your word? I never, I never felt that I was wrong about my word. I still, um, my husband and I both, we were clinging to, I wrote about my, my word for this year. And I said, we clung to every last bit of hope, mm-hmm. um, this year. And we, and we did, we never, we never thought about giving up and we knew that, uh, God was still writing our story and there was still hope Yep. no matter what, no matter what. If that next transfer failed, if the transfer after that failed, there was still there was still hope. And I and I still believe that. Yeah. And then you ended 2019 pregnant. Yeah. So what is your word for 2020? Joy. So what a joy. perfect it's a joy. Yes. 
That's a good one, especially after yeah. what we talked about. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to experience the joy, um, the joy of pregnancy, the joy I just want to celebrate. And I want, not even that, I just want to celebrate every little thing. Yeah. You know, so life's to be celebrated. Do you have any new habits that you're implementing this year? I'm trying to actually journal more um, just to get my, sometimes it's hard to talk about your feelings to other people. So mm-hmm. I, um, I found that writing down in my journal and just praying through that has really helped me even just experience more joy, just writing down my feelings, getting it on paper, getting it out yeah. rather than holding it mm-hmm. in has really helped me. That was my husband's um, goal last year, 2019, was to journal every day because he has a little journal that does year over year. And so each page, it's just a few lines for each year. So by the end of five years, he'll have, you know, a lot, a, a note on every day for five years. And so he can see what was happening last year, the year before. And it was the first year he actually fulfilled that that resolution. And so he journaled every day. And so he's really excited to keep that going because he said it, it made a big difference. Yeah, I hope every. I want to do it every day. It's it does it may it does a lot for your for your mindset too. Mm-hmm. If you, especially if you do it in the morning, that just sets the tone for your whole day. Yeah, and I think it helps you remember things too. You're like, oh yeah, I want to write that down. I want to remember that. I want to talk about that later in my journal, and it just yeah. helps you be more cognizant of what's happening. Even to go back, I've gone back and read some of the stuff I had journaled like maybe like a year ago, and just to see how much has changed and how much you've grown. It's, it's amazing. Well, I am so excited to watch your boys grow and we'll be following you, you on social media and praying for you to have joy and peace and every step along the way, just to, just to rely on the truth that God's got you. He's got you. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on again. Thank you for yeah. making time to do this twice. I said, I said God wasn't no, they weren't ready to hear my story yet. So I hope now they're ready to hear my story. <laughs> well, I'm so glad. I'm so glad you came. And I'm so glad it's even, just even, even greater. And um, you, I mean, I remember our interview last year. I, you, you were joyful then before you even got the miracle. And I, yes. can, I, I see no difference right now. There, You are equally joyful. And I'm just, that's a testament to who God is in your life. So thank you for coming Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Caitlin made a statement that really stuck out to me in our conversation. She said, he is the God of the outcome. Just a few days ago, I was reading my favorite daily devotional called New Morning Mercies. I've talked about it on here before. It's from Paul David Tripp. And side note, if you don't have this yet, seriously, go get it. I have it under the resource tab that's new on the website so that you can find it easily. It is the best one-page Devo I've ever read. This is my second year going through it, and I'm probably going to go through it every year because it's just that good. Anyway, I just had to share it with you after I was thinking about what Caitlin said. So I'm just going to read it. There will be moments when you simply don't understand what is going on. In fact, you will face moments when what the God who has declared himself to be good brings into your life won't seem good. It may even seem bad, very bad. But the reality is that you are not left with only two options, understand everything and rest in peace or understand little and be tormented by anxiety. There is a third way. It really is the way of true biblical faith. 
The Bible tells you that real peace is found in resting in the wisdom of the one who holds all of your what ifs and if onlys in his loving hands. Isaiah captures this well with these comforting words. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Real sturdy, lasting peace, peace that doesn't rise and fall with circumstances, doesn't rise and fall with treatments, doesn't rise and fall with pregnancy tests. I added that in isn't to be found in picking apart your life until you have understood all of the components. You will never understand it all because God, for your good and His glory, keeps some of it shrouded in mystery. So peace is found only in trust, trust of the one who is in careful control of all the things that tend to rob you of your peace. He knows, He understands, He is in control of what appears to be chaos. He is never surprised. He is never confused. He never worries or loses a night's sleep. He never walks off the job to take a rest. He never gets so busy with one thing that he neglects another and he never plays favorites. You need to remind yourself again and again of his wise and loving control, not because that will immediately make your life make sense, but because it will give you the rest and peace in those moments that all of us face at one time or another when life doesn't seem to make any sense. It says, don't be discouraged today. You can leave your what ifs and if onlys in the hands of the one who loves you and rules all things. Dang, that's good. So he is the God of the outcome and we can trust him with that outcome. So as you move into 2020, whatever comes, whether it be good, whether it be bad, whether it be just terrible, he is with you and he is for you and he sees you and he loves you. And we say it every week because it's so, so true. Y'all have a great day. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Joint Infertility Podcast. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Remember, God is with you. He sees your heart. He loves you and he is good. There will be beauty born from your journey. Have a great day.